evening and welcome to another edition of Jungle Juice. It's Sam Gormley and Mick Nelson with you. Mick, it's a victory Wednesday. It's with, with Monday Night Football and it's been we, kind of a weird week for me work-wise anyways, but it, it has to make me think like, is today Wednesday? Because like you sent me a text message earlier today about the podcast and I was like, oh, it is Wednesday. My weeks have all been thrown off, but happy victory Wednesday to you. Happy Victory Wednesday to you as well. Yeah, the week is just, it's been a weird week. It's just kind of flown by at this point uh, with the Monday night football game. And now it's Wednesday already. You're kind of a, a day short on the game prep or whatever. But I don't know. We're here, ready to rock and roll. Uh, just want to throw out a quick disclaimer here. Uh, my wife is currently not home. That means my uh, two animals are outside right now or out in the living room with me. So. If you do hear any other voices or, you know, see anybody that's not me, uh, that is them. So we'll try to control that as much as I can. I, I mean, I would assume that if a, if a random animal popped into the screen that they would assume it wasn't you. That's probably I, I a safe know. assumption for that. But if you hear some dogs or something in the background, maybe Rory and, and uh, Cooper want to give their thoughts on the game. Maybe, yeah. maybe I'm sure they watched. So oh, no. I bet, I bet Cooper's a Steelers fan. I'm not going to lie. He's a oh, real, wow. he's a, he's a real dejected dog. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we need to, we need to get uh, Rory's thoughts on how Cordell Volson, you know, what do we think about that? But that, that we can she get watched, that. She right watched in. the game on Monday. So she so probably many, does have some thoughts about she, it. She probably has better thoughts than we do, if we're being honest. As uh, coming up on the show today, we will recap that win against the Los Angeles Rams on Monday night. We'll kind of go through the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, we will talk backup quarterback again, as there is a new backup quarterback in the room. Will Greer, gone after Bill Belichick kind of pulled a fast one on him. And in comes A.J. McCarron. I know when I read it, I was kind of like, wait, what? And we'll talk about that, and then we'll get you ready for Bengals-Titans. That'll happen on Sunday afternoon, a 1 o'clock Eastern kick down in good old Nashville, Tennessee. But first, we got to talk about good old victory, uh, victory Wednesday here on the show as the Bengals picked up their first win of the season on Monday night against the Los Angeles Rams, the whiteout game, Ring of Honor. I think Ring of Honor is where we should start, Mick, before we get into the good, the bad, and the ugly. Chad Chad Johnson and Boomer Esiason were both recognized during halftime. They were the rulers of the jungle. That was awesome. Yeah, it was a great time. Um, it's just, you know, we touched on this last week, but, um, you know, we, we didn't see Boomer play, but we obviously know all the great things that he did for the franchise and how he's continued to um, endorse the brand. Um you know, going into his broadcasting career and, and other things. Uh, but we did watch Chad Johnson play, and I think a lot of people our age would say he's probably our favorite player growing up. And to see him uh, get the recognition he deserves by the franchise, um, it was just a great moment for us to see. It was uh, it was incredible. Yeah, I mean, you can't talk that mid-2000 Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, Chad Johnson is at the focal point of that. And not only going with that, the biggest thing with probably both of them is you probably won't find two better ambassadors for the Cincinnati Bengals continuing after their playing career than both Boomer Esiason and Chad Johnson. And I know it meant a lot for me to actually see them get their moments while they still can and they can still enjoy it. You could tell just looking. I know I listened to to Chad. He was on with uh, Shannon Sharp on his podcast. I think it was after the game. 
And I don't know if you saw this, Mick, but they asked him, uh, Shannon asked him pretty much like, what, what does it mean? And Chad said, you know how much it meant to him. And then Shannon followed up with, you know, your mom and your grandma who kind of helped raise you weren't there. Were they going through your mind? And he had mentioned that he tried to specifically didn't think about that because he knew he would have gotten emotional. Then he ended up getting emotional on the podcast saying that his first thing he was going to do with the jacket is go to their graves. And it just kind of shows you on how much it meant to a guy like Chad and Boomer had his entire family there. Chad his entire family there. It was just, it was a really cool ceremony at halftime. Good on the Bengals for, for doing it. Yeah. And good on the season ticket holders for voting them in and putting them in. Uh, I don't think you could have found two better candidates to put in this year. So um, it was just great to see. Yeah. Without question. I'm glad that it actually happened and I'm glad that we could be there as well. The white tiger, Night as well, as I, I mentioned last week, I did not get to experience White Tiger last year, and I'm super excited that I got to this year. It was a great atmosphere. It was a lot of fun. Uh, for the most part, I think probably, what, 90% of fans participated in, in wore the white, and it looked really good because of it. Yeah, no, it's a good coordination by everybody there. Uh, it was killer environment, you know, Packed house it was very loud. I think we definitely helped to be defense and uh, having an A plus performance uh, on Monday. So yeah, it was just it's it's great that we're going to get to witness this every year from uh, going on out. Yeah, it definitely needs to become something that is a tradition. It's a, it was a great idea when they came up with it last year, and I hope it can continue uh, in the years to come. So let's dive into the recap of that win against the Rams on Monday. As we usually like to separate it, it's kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly from the game. Uh, and if you have something from the good, the bad, and the ugly, make sure you let us know in the comments section. We'll, we'd like to hear some of your thoughts as well, because you might disagree. You might think something was bad, and we thought it was good, or you might think something was good, and we thought it was bad with it. That's kind of the best part about being fans. Make sure you let us know there as we are streaming live on the Jungle Juice podcast Facebook and YouTube channels. Make sure you follow us there, and also on our good friend Josh Isles, WDN Today, his page. Make sure you follow that on Facebook as well. We're on Spotify. We're on all of your podcast platforms as well. So make sure you subscribe to us there and don't miss any of the action. Should have done that a little bit earlier, Mick, but better late than, than never. The good from the game on Monday. Do you want to hit us up for your first good thing from Monday? Yeah, first good thing. Uh, let's start with the... Uh... Let's start with the man under center, or in this case, the man in the shotgun. Joe Burrow uh, came out and played the whole game. Uh, you know, there's speculation the whole week about his calf and whether, um, you know, that was going to hold up enough for him to play. Um, you know, he ended up playing. He playing the whole game, and he got the win. Uh, was it the best Joe Burrow performance I've ever seen? No. But um, it was, you know, the, the quarterback rating thing, I'm not, you know, I think it's a little misleading. I thought he had a dec you know, a couple of decent throws, moved the ball when they needed to, uh, got enough points to win the game. And they also kind of left some points on the scoreboard uh, as well. I, I think they, there's a couple drives where they probably could have gotten at least uh, a field goal. So, you know, they definitely could have won by two possessions there. And they were up two possessions going into that final drive by the Rams, too. Another good for me, and I think it's one of the more obvious ones as well, is is pass rush. Mm -hmm. uh, we talked about it on this show last week, how we had mentioned that, you know, in the Browns game, we came away thinking, wow, like this pass rush, I'm a fan. And in the Ravens game, we kind of said, 
pass rush, like where'd it go? Like what happened? It was good last week. What happened? And then it kind of went back to the Browns game. I mean, they were fantastic on Monday evening against a Rams team that does not have a great offensive line. And when a team does not have a great offensive line, we've seen this on the other side of it for years now, good defensive lines feast. And that's exactly what Trey Hendrickson and company did. Yeah, no, it's uh, definitely a key to victory that I was mentioning last week is that the Rams probably have a bottom five offensive line in the league. And uh, if the defense wants to make their mark and keep the team in the game and, and, and win it, ultimately, that pass rush is going to have to be a factor. And uh, those guys definitely held, a, held their end of the bargain there. Trey Hendrickson had a great game uh, on the edge spot. He had two sacks and uh, plenty more pressures. I don't know how many uh, exactly he had in the pressures category, but that guy was pretty much in the backfield almost the entire game. Um, you know, and they ended up getting, what, six, seven sacks? Uh, six sacks. It was tied for the most in the in the Zach Taylor era. Yeah. Okay. Oh, tied for the most. I wonder what the other game was. I'm surprised. Uh, if if we were good at our jobs, we would have had that. <laughs> but I I remember reading it. But still, six sacks. Regardless, it's it's an unbelievable tally, and that was a huge difference in the game because it seemed like I mean there was a period until the very last drive, Matthew Stafford hadn't completed a pass in the red zone. He was like oh for his first seven in the red zone, and a large uh, reason behind that was because the pass rush was so good. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh that's 100% true. They uh they uh the red zone defense is probably the best red zone definitely the best I've seen this season. I mean, and last year they were pretty good at at, at uh you know, trying to, you know, implement the bend but don't break defense and uh yeah, they just looked great in the red zone. They looked uh Great across the board. I mean, it didn't seem like the Rams could move the ball at all in the second half until that last drive. And then and I know you were a little on edge after the first drive uh, because they, you know, they kind of marched down the field there. So, but yeah, and I mean, I think everyone kind of was because one of the biggest, I mean, it kind of looked like things were going the previous two weeks. And I think everyone was kind of like, ooh. Ooh, this is not great. And then you had the big sack by DJ Raider. And from that point on, the defense was unbelievable for the rest of the game. I think another one of the good, and Steve writes it in. I mean, honestly, he, Steve's right. Jonah Williams deserves to be in the category of good. He yep. had a great game um, on on on, on uh, Monday, and really, four of the offensive linemen had a great game. Uh, we're going to take one of them and, and maybe mention him in one of the other categories a little bit later on. But yeah, I think Jonah had a great game. Another one of the goods for me, Logan Wilson. In that defense, I mean, listen. Anytime you have two interceptions, he's now at nine interceptions. You lead all linebackers right now. He's he's got to be. I mean, and it's it's he was great, and he just continuously finds a way to. I mean, it's in. I mean, the, the, he made a great play as the second interception was deflected by Mike Hilton. He made a great job, you know, going underneath of it and getting it. I mean, listen, Logan Wilson deserves to be classified in the good. He just keeps on playing. Yeah, uh, he, had a, he had a great game, uh, especially in coverage on Monday. Those two interceptions proved to be pretty crucial. Uh, I think one of them ended up, or I think one of them ended up in a scoring drive afterwards, if I remember correctly. The other one, uh, that was the first half offense right there, right afterwards. So we won't, we'll get too far into that yet, but, uh, 
yeah, Logan looks pretty. Uh, Logan looked great in the coverage or in you know, in coverage and um, you know, definitely uh, a remarkable improvement uh, from the first two weeks of the season. I think. To me, another one of the goods is a position group as a whole, and it was one that I didn't necessarily think would be on the good going into the game. Is tight ends. I mean, listen, I, I mean, considering that you're, you were missing your starting tight end, and again, we're not getting into the Irv Smith conversation. We can have that, you know, a, a, another day. But you, you're looking at, you really didn't have a starting tight end because that is that that is a weakness for this team is that they don't really have much depth of that position. So they call up Tanner Hudson. Had a great game. I mean, he's, he fell down on that opening drive. But other than that, he, he did what you would expect from a practice squad call-up tight end. Drew Sample had the highest blocking grade on the team mm-hmm. and made actually a nice catch and run and came up just short of the first down on that play. And then, heck, Mitchell Wilcox came away with arguably the best play of the game, the biggest play of the game, and he recovered the onside kick. Yeah. I mean, listen, I mean, it's it's underrated, but it absolutely has to be mentioned. And I, I think the tight ends really impressed me considering that they were missing their, their starter. Yeah, and it, it kind of makes me think like, you know, I don't want to have too much Irv Smith slander, but you know, my big my big uh, problem I have with Irv Smith is that he doesn't have the same uh, athletic build uh, as previous starting tight ends have had. He's he's a lot. He's definitely shorter than Hurst and Uzama were, uh, you know, in the past couple of years. Uh, definitely a little bit smaller. And this isn't to say Irv Smith isn't. Uh, a very athletic guy, but it's a, definitely a different athletic profile at the tight end position. This game, you kind of went back to guys with those types of builds. And, you know, Tanner Hudson had a couple of really nice catches. Uh, obviously, Drew Sample had that catch. And I actually really liked what Zach Taylor did with the pass protection, uh, you know, going into the game. Or, you know, I think it was midway through the game, he decided to do, uh, put Drew Sample in the backfield as the uh, as pretty much the as an H-back, pretty much. Yeah, as the H-back. Yeah, that's... And you kind of thought that's a role he was going to kind of take going into his career here in Cincinnati. And uh, the fact that he, uh, you know, went in there and, and filled that Ryan Hewitt role admirably. Uh, <laughs> There's yeah. a mention I wasn't having on my bingo card today. <laughs> I didn't think we were going to get a Ryan Hewitt mention. No, uh, I didn't think so either until I was <laughs> rattling off sentence there. But... uh yeah, no, I think I think Drew Sample had a really good game. I'm hoping they utilize him more in that capacity because I don't see a reason for them not to. Um, definitely helps. Do you have another good, or do you want me to fire off another one? Um, let's see, not the secondary was it? I don't. They're in how the about, mid. How about I get more? Not, not, how about I get more specific on the secondary and take that and Dax Hill. Yeah, Made some I think Zach Hill had a decent game. Uh, definitely had that uh, crazy blitz uh, sack. sack. Yeah. yeah, I think it was in the second or the third quarter, if I remember correctly. Uh, dude just torpedoed himself into the into the backfield and and just laid out Matthew Stafford. Um, so yeah, I think Dax Hill had a pretty decent game. Um, you know, Cheeto Cheeto ended up playing pretty well. Um, yeah, I don't. That's probably about the the great, the best I can do for the secondary in the good category. Uh, I'll follow it up with another one here in the good, and a guy that we could probably put in the good most weeks, 
but he was the reason the Bengals won the football game. Evan McPherson. He yeah. t- he continues Tudor. to be a three field goals from fifty yards plus. Yeah, yes, which is hilarious because I read the stat and I don't have it directly in front of me, but I want to say that he has that is twenty career field goals from fifty plus in his career. That's... I think he's twenty of twenty four. The next highest in Bengals history is Mike Nugent, I think, with eight. Wow. And it's just wild to think about how, I mean, he he is a weapon. And another thing with it is that, and, and I was kind of blown away by reading this stat, I think it was in Jay Morrison from Pro Football Network wrote the stat, that Money Mac in his career has the third highest percentage on field goals above 50 yards. And what was wild to me is that you, who is somebody you would think is on that list ahead of it? So, you said he's number three? Yes. So, who, who would be one of the guys that you would pro- possibly mention? Because there's one guy that would come to my name, but he's not on that list. Um, you probably, were you thinking Justin Tucker? Correct. Justin Tucker's per- career percentage above 50 yards is like 65%. Really? Yeah, okay. see, I never, never would have guessed that. But st- and I think that just shows you that how big of a what now Justin Tucker obviously from inside fifty is automatic, uh, mm-hmm. but I think it just shows that having a guy like him is I, I, it's an incredible weapon. And I mean, we can say this every single week. You look at the playoff runs and so on. Evan McPherson is a huge reason behind all of that. So who are the other two? T- Let me guess one. I'm going to go with Janikowski just because he couldn't hit from close at this all. Very, but this, could, list, boom it. this list could have been active players. Uh, and I, I and while we're talking here, I will look it up here because I'm pretty sure it was Jay Morrison's article. But I want to say Chase McLaughlin was number one. Okay. Who I would not have, no. would not have guessed <laughs> no. on that list. And as I'm looking here, as while we're talking here, I'll I'll continue to to pull it up and see if I can't find it. Um, Brett Maher or Dan Bailey? I'm gonna go Brett Maher. The other good for me in the game is, and we kind of touched on it at the open, the atmosphere. The atmosphere yes. deserves a lot of credit. And then uh, also to to go back to the special teams, Charlie Jones had a really good game returning. That's points. one I did not mention, and yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, uh, you know, I think I think Rapine was mentioning it on his podcast. Uh, honestly, you might not be scoring uh, field goals. You know, some of those shooter McPherson field goals if it weren't for a decent punt return set up by Charlie Jones. Uh, you know, it seemed like he was rattling off a good, probably eight to ten, sometimes fifteen yard punt returns. Um, and yeah, I mean. He, if you're not doing that, you're taking a fair catch, which I know the number one job by a punt returner is to keep, you know, make sure you give the ball to the quarterback or give the ball to the offense. But if it weren't for Charlie Jones, I don't know if the Bengals would have been in field goal range for a couple of those drives. So yeah, big kudos to Charlie Jones there. Um, so for one here, I can give you this two stat. The, the six sacks were the most in a game since the 2019 season finale against the Browns when they also had six. What's also interesting is the Bengals won a game for the first time scoring less than 20 in the regular season in the Zach Taylor era. So here's Evan really? McPherson. has Okay, so Evan McPherson has 16 field goals of 50-plus yards in just over two seasons, doubling the record 
the previous record by Doug Pelfrey and Mike Nugent of eight. He's 16 of 20 for his career on kicks of 50 plus. The 80% success rate is the fourth highest since 1991. Daniel Carlson, okay. Chase McLaughlin, Chris Boswell. That's the top three. Justin okay. Tucker is just under 70%. So, I mean, it just shows you that he is such a weapon for this team. Yeah, no, he's 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 critical. Uh, you know, he's good for getting the points on the board when the offense obviously isn't moving as uh, as as it could have. And uh, you know, if we you know probably wouldn't be talking about a victory Monday here for one for shooter. So yeah, he was he was fantastic. Let's go into the bad. Or did you have any other more of the good? No, the bad. So again, we we separate the bad. That is is kind of our mid tier. And then there is the ugly. So we'll get to the ugly here in just a few few minutes. I know we've had a couple of comments on things that would be classified in the ugly. But for the bad, Mick, does anything come out to you? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I don't think the run blocking was spectacular by any means. I mean, they got the job, do- job done on uh you know when they needed to but you know they they it didn't seem like they were running uh with the same effectiveness that they had the past couple of weeks but they were running the ball a little more often i guess or maybe they weren't i don't know because but joe had like 50 pass attempts uh, you know against 20 uh go back go back to the good category just real quick uh time of possession wasn't a good category uh where the Bengals were kind of lacking the at least in week one, and then week two, I guess it was a little more 50-50 than that. But uh, time of possession was a great thing. Uh, so for the bad, I didn't think the run game was like spectacular by any means. I didn't think it was bad, I guess, but it wasn't like great. It wasn't very good. Um, well, that, that 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 classifies into the bad category because I I was just gonna step just take a step back and I was gonna put the offense as a whole in bad in my eyes. Yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't ugly. It was now the Rams defense is not what it was in the Super Bowl year, but it's not like they're the worst defense in the league either. Yeah, Steve mentions uh, Higgins in the bad category. Uh, we'll we'll get one step further here in a little bit, but uh, definitely was at least bad on Monday. In, in uh, fact, you know, how about how about we just transition into the ugly? Because just, I, yeah, I, yeah, and I, I think and Steve Steve's exactly correct. And oh. and listen, we're gonna we're gonna call it like we see it. T. Higgins had a bad game on, yeah. on Monday. Yeah. Um, it's no other way to put it. I want to say he had three drops, maybe two. I, they they only classified him with two, but he had two catches, I think, on nine targets. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there were a couple of those that, I mean, he had some killer drops in the game. Yeah. No. Yeah. Killer drops, killed drives. Uh force punts or, you know, or long field goal from shooter and shooter had to bail him out. Um, yeah. T just, ha- T, T just seems a little off to start the year. Now I know he had, I wouldn't say it was like a great game against the Ravens. Had uh, two touchdowns. I, yeah. He had two touchdowns. He did, you know, he's definitely the best, uh, receiver on the team in that game. But, uh, you know, I wasn't like, you know, just, you know, team last year team made those plays that really made you think like, wow, this guy is the best number two receiver in the league, right? So, 
we just haven't seen that yet. And I just don't know what's going on. I think some of it's probably Joe. It just he, he hasn't been able to throw the ball downfield. His ball placement isn't there on those deep throws uh, because of the whole calf injury. But, yeah, it just seems like he's not really getting any separation uh, and he's not winning at the catch point like he usually does. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think it's something that will get better hopefully over these next couple of weeks, especially going up against the Titans team on Sunday. So I, I'm hopeful for the future of T. Higgins. But um, yeah, and I mean, Steve writes in here and says, Boyd, uh, the interception was 100% on Boyd, not like him at all. I, I do agree that the interception, you know, Boyd deserves some of the fault for that. That and was I don't also think I just put... a great play by Akella Witherspoon. Yeah, and Akella Witherspoon, I think if, if we were doing a Rams podcast, I'd almost put him in the good. I think, they, I mean, heck, he was making plays all over the game, all over the field on, on Monday night. Luckily, this is not a Rams podcast, although we met a nice Rams fan that sat to our left on, on Monday, and I'm sure we would have had him on. Oh, no. Oh, man, look who it is. It's David oh, no. Miracle right in. Oh, my goodness. Fellow admin I, of the Houday Nation group. We've tailgated with David a few times. Houday, David. Yeah, it doesn't get much better than good old David, the pride of Pineville, Kentucky. No, <laughs> and, and we're getting off topic, Mick, but I don't know if you've ever been to Pineville. Probably haven't, but Pineville is famous for, they have a massive rock that is above the city, and they have a chain on it because they have to be careful that they chain the rock to the mountains so that it doesn't fall down and crash the, <laughs> uh, crush the town. So they have chain rock. There's Eastern Kentucky for you to a T. And, and, Dave, David will will back me up. It is one hundred percent true. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. It. I agree with Steve. You know, great play. That's a ball Boyd normally catches. I don't disagree with that at all. Yep, there yeah. it is chain rock. Boyd, Boyd uh, Boyd's been kind of surprising. I thought that you know he's had a few like favorable matchups against slot cornerbacks the past three weeks, and it just doesn't seem like um. It does, he just doesn't look like himself either. And and again, you know, how much of that is just Joe? In, in his I like that they, they got him. I think he got hot, caught like the first two or three passes of the game. They got him going I like a little, that little they early. They tried to get him going earlier. And then Jamar. Jamar is somebody we should have mentioned in the good, too. Jamar oh, yeah. Game. We completely forgot yeah, about yeah. I put Jamar in the – yeah, he, was, he had a great performance on uh, – Second on most Monday. catches in Bengals history. Uh, he was great. Yeah. Uh, now – I, I would, you know, the only thing I want to see from Jamar going on is just like, you know, you typically see him breaking more tackles and you typically see him with the, you know, with the, being that yak specialist. And you haven't seen that thus far this year. Uh, hopefully you can kind of break out of that. But yeah, I think Jamar had a great game on, on Monday. Um, obviously was the, the X factor on the offense. And they needed to utilize him in that, in that capacity as well. They hadn't really done that the first two weeks. So, Good job by Zach for you know for scheming uh, plays for Jamar and and good on Jamar for uh, helping the offense move the ball. Another ugly and Steve mentioned it earlier is Cordell Volson, and yeah, I, I, I and kind of the question I want to ask you, Mick, is with this is is that a problem or is that the fact that he went up against arguably the best interior defensive lineman? Well, in fact, we can say there's no argument. He's the best interior defensive lineman of this era. And an mm -hmm. argument could be made that he's the best interior defensive lineman ever. 
how much of that goes on that and how much of that is a legitimate worry that Cordell Volson is a problem? Uh, now, I think you'll see Cordell improve throughout the season. He's had a tough three matchups, really, with the interior offensive line. You got Miles Garrett, even though he's an edge, he's kind of just lining up everywhere and then just freaks have it so much that other guys just end up busting through as well. Um, so you, you just have the whole Cleveland front four, which Cleveland looks like potentially the best defense in the league so far this season. So, you you know, you had kind of had a tough matchup with that. You had a tough matchup against Baltimore with Justin Madabuike and uh, and Wa- Broderick Washington. Those guys are a pretty solid uh, interior duo. And then, uh, obviously, uh, Monday night against the, well, the great Aaron Donald. That's, and uh, then, I mean, we're getting a little out of ourselves here, but... It's not, not going like to get any easier this week. You know, Simmons for, for the Titans, it doesn't yep. get any easier. And you better believe when all of these teams that have these great interior defensive linemen, they're looking at this line, they're saying, okay, you've got Orlando Brown Jr., who has played pretty well as a left tackle. You've got a good center in, in Ted Karras. You've got a right guard in Alex Kappa, who's pretty solid. Jonah Williams coming off his best game. There is a clear weakness on the yep. offensive line so far this year. And that is Cordell Volson. And you better believe that these defensive coordinators, I don't know who the defensive coordinator for the Titans is off the top of my head, but Mike Variable is a defensive head coach. You better believe that he has had that circled and you're going to see a lot of Simmons versus Volson. And that is something that concerns me. But then I don't know that there is a better option on the team right now. No, I don't I don't know if there is either. I mean, yeah, you could throw Cody Ford out there, but is he really going to do any better? Max no. Sharping. Maybe Sharping. But yeah, I, I don't think anybody is going to be holding up against uh, is going to help hold up that great against Aaron Donald. Uh, you know, Aaron Donald's just a, a freak athlete, and you know, probably the best interior defensive lineman ever. So, um, you know, it was a bad game. It, it was a it was an ugly game for Cordell. The PFF grading kind of reflected in that. Um, you know, and With a zero, it, correct. He's grading out in the mid twenties for the year so far, which is just astronomically low. It's really bad. Uh, Not even so, Bobby Hart was that bad. No, he wasn't. He, he wasn't. He wasn't that bad. So, I think after week four, it might get a little bit better for Cordell. But you know, you, if you're calling for a benching, I mean, I don't. No, and I'm not calling for a benching just because I don't mm-hmm. think what you you have anything better. No, I don't think you do either. Uh, you know, I, I I think the other two are probably similar to the same skill level as Cordell Volson. But yeah, why, there's no sense in in changing that out, and you know, and messing with the con- you know the uh, continuity of the offensive line. Another big ugly for me from Monday's game, and it was something that even Joe Burrow mentioned in his press conference again today, is penalties especially penalties like false starts i don't know how you have these types of penalties at home um yeah, now, yeah, it, how, much, it, how much does it have to deal with though that joe burrow is not practicing uh that's not an excuse much. i mean yeah but i mean that does kind of you, you can't say it can't hamper the communication of the of the offense a little bit even a little bit um so i wonder yeah, how much of that is that but it's kind of I agree. Those types of penalties are kind of inexcusable, um, especially when you're playing at home. So, 
Yeah, and I, I think that that is a problem because really, listen, you can say every anything you want about Zach Taylor as a head coach. Say what you want. He's heard it. Everybody's heard it and so on. But the one thing that you have to give him props for is his teams are very, you know, they've always been one of the least penalized teams in the NFL. He does yeah. a really good job at the at that. That's 100%. Yeah, he's usually really good at having a very disciplined team. And, that, and it's it, always the, played to his advantage uh, in games or it's the team's advantage in games. Definitely agree, Dave. Um, false starts need to stop. They they really got it. They really got to you know. It's especially when you have that. two straight games coming on the road. Now, the Titans, you know, it's going to be a good atmosphere. They're obviously fired up. The Bengals have won that. I'm sure that there'll be a lot of Bengals fans mm-hmm. in the stands in Nashville with it being a short trip. And then Arizona's probably not going to be your Kansas City like atmosphere. But no. you're still on the road in the NFL. It's going to be loud, especially because the Cardinals surprisingly are playing pretty well, like all things considered. Yeah, yeah, we kind of went to the into the season thinking, oh, well, they, these guys should be an easy win, and they're, they're not going to be. They, they've looked pretty good to start the year. Um, so, yeah, you're going to have two road games in a row, and that's just something you got to clean up. Um, you know, that's stuff that, ki- that's stuff that kills, you know, that kills uh, winning games for teams, so... What's uh? Do you have any other recaps there from the th- from the Rams game? Because I think the biggest thing with the Rams game is the most important thing that happened is there's two. Joe Burrow did not have any setbacks, and the Bengals won the football game. No, and, the- and honestly, at the end of the game, anything could have happened, and if those two things happened, I was going to be pleased. And both things happened, and I was pleased. Yeah, yeah same here. One of the big storylines from last week that kind of came out of nowhere is I was doing some work on Saturday afternoon and I log on to Twitter after X or whatever the heck it's called after a couple of days, after a couple of hours, not checking it. And I see that Jay Morrison tweets or posts or whatever we're calling it says, AJ McCarron is in the building. And I thought him saying, I was like, okay, Jay's got jokes. Jay's got jokes. No, A.J. McCarron was in in the building. And then a couple of hours later, it comes out. A.J. McCarron is on the practice squad now. Mick, did did this kind of come out of left field or is this just me? So I kind of thought it did at first. But, I mean, heck, we were kind of even mentioning, like, people were talking about potential backup quarterbacks, uh, you know, joining the team or whatever. And I think A.J. was mentioned. uh, in the summer, you know, after his, uh, you know, after the XFL season he had. So, you know, at first I did kind of think it was out of left field, but, you know, looking back on it, not necessarily. I mean, the one thing that kind of makes it out of left field is that although he was uh, a former Bengal, he, he doesn't have any rapport with the, uh, much rapport with the coaching staff that they currently have or, um, you know, really anybody on the team in general. Maybe he played with Joe Mixon. Uh, in 2017, was he on the team in 2017? Mm, Maybe. No, I'm not even sure, to be honest. Oh, well, Um, well, I'll put in the Google machine here. Let's see. But still, Um, he maybe has had, you know, with one person on the team. So he doesn't really know any of these guys. And what was wild in 2017. He what was wild is, is that Paul Nader Jr. on his podcast, hear that podcast grailing on the athletic on Thursday or Friday or something last week on his show, 
had A.J. McCarron on to ask him about being a backup quarterback in the NFL. And it was funny that this was before any of this, and he, Paul asked him something along the lines of, would you ever like to come back to Cincinnati? And he was pretty much like, oh, yeah, my family loves Cincinnati, like 100%. And the next thing you know, he's coming back for real. And it was just kind of funny because when he had said in the XFL interview that the reason why he joined the XFL was so that his, his sons could see him play football, I thought that was his way of saying, I'm sticking with the XFL from here on out. Whereas it was pretty much him saying, I, I, I just want to give one year to give my kids this chance. And now that he's got the opportunity to come back in the NFL, he's going to take it. Yeah. I mean, he might see both. Honestly, it's, he, he hasn't signed onto the roster yet. Um, you know, he's going to be on in a backup capacity more than likely if he does sign to the active roster. And, you know, he could be one of those players that's kind of just like shuffling in between leagues, I guess. And, um, but yeah, I, I I think it's a I think it's a pretty good signing though. I'm I, I'm fairly happy with it. I think that he's probably better than the other two backup quarterbacks on the roster. He's had a track well track record of success with the franchise. Uh, almost delivered us a playoff victory in 2015. Um, I yeah, I was I, I was pleasantly surprised by by the signing. Yeah, and I think it's a great move. Uh, he's a veteran quarterback, and I'm sure you know veteran quarterback for Joe Burrow to lean on is going to be great too. Yeah, just somebody that he can talk to that has played a lot of games, that knows what it is, and and yeah, I agree with Steve. He's better than any quarterback we have not named Burrow. I mean, here's the biggest thing too is the the, the thing about McCarron that the other two quarterbacks don't have. He's thrown a pass in the NFL. Yeah, he has. I mean, Jake so, Browning has had what five snaps. Maybe in that yeah. Browns game, I don't even know how many snaps he ended up having out. That is the biggest thing with AJ McCarron that excites me is that if something happens, you have somebody that you can trust, even if his role is to back up Jake Browning. Is it somebody that has been a backup, knows what to do, knows how to handle it and everything? And I think that's huge for the team long term. And and hopefully we never see AJ McCarron touch the field. Yeah. Unless I mean, he's throwing a kneel down after the Bengals are up by 50 in a game. But I, ho- mm-hmm. I hope we never see him, but I'm glad that he's back. Steve, we'll talk about this in the offseason. But uh, yeah, uh, not the biggest Jeremy Hill fan here. So <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the 2015 playoff game. I, I'm more ready to talk about it now that the streak is over, but I'm not sure I'm necessarily ready to talk about it. I think it's going to be a, an off-season issue whenever we're Great. Kind of running out of things to talk about. We got to wait to have we the talk 20- about this early on in the, in the, in the, uh, like we are podcast number two. We got to have a group therapy session on that day. That was, that was a depressing day. Uh, back on topic though. Um, how about we move on to the Titans? Let's do it. Bengals travel down to Nashville as they will take on the Tennessee Titans. It'll be on Fox, which is a little interesting. Adam Amin will be the uh, play-by-play guy. I haven't seen who the... Oh, it's Sean Smith is the official. Oh, yeah. Sean Smith, and then the color analyst is uh, Schlereth, I believe. Mark Schlereth. Sure. I I, I knew it was Adam Amin. That does sound right, though. The game is on Fox. It'll be a good old Nashville, Tennessee. I know a lot of Bengals fans are going to be making the trip down 71 to 65 to go down there uh megan's saying she's trying to convince her dad to make the trip with her i i have been to two games in that stadium once was the bengals game in 2017 they lost 
That was the game oh, that there Montez... was a Music City Bowl, I'm guessing. And then there was a Music City Bowl <laughs> for Kentucky, and Kentucky lost. So oh. I'm not sure I'm allowed back in the stadium. If my teams are 0-2, I live about two hours from Nashville, give or take. Well, I guess Nashville traffic might make it two hours and 15, two hours and 30 or so on. But I live close enough. I live on a way closer to Nashville than I do to Cincinnati. But I don't know that I am I am going to bring myself to go for that reason. Plus, well, I guess Megan and Steve both say I'm not allowed to go. So I guess since they they t- nope. chime in and say I'm not allowed, I guess I'm, do I'm, I'm not allowed to not allowed to go. Um, I I don't know. I I think that this game as a whole is, is interesting. The Bengals have played really well against the Titans over the past couple of years, but all of the games have been extremely close. Burrow yep. is 3-0 and against the Titans, but uh, I think it'll be interesting. Yeah, I think it will be too. Um, you know, I think it's going to, you know, probably be close to the same script as the past two matchups, with, which have been uh, primarily defensive games. Now, I know the last one, there's a few more you know, points scored, but given the uh, state of the offense right now and the state of Joe Burrow's health, I think you're going to see uh, just an absolute defensive slugfest. Uh, I mean, week, here's yeah. the thing with the Tennessee Titans, and I know Burrow said it uh, during the press conference today. I think Zach Taylor said it during his press conference, and it's something that I had mentioned or had written down to talk about anyways, is the Tennessee Titans are an AFC North team that plays in the AFC South. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, Vrabel definitely... Uh, uh, you can de- he definitely embodies that AFC North uh, culture, you know. Uh, just to let you know, my wife is walking into uh, walking into our condo right now. So if you hear a door open or anything or dogs barking, that's her. Um, but yeah, uh, Mike Brabel, Titans, they definitely embody that AFC North culture. Just tough, gritty defense. They love to run the ball. Um, and yeah, it always just seems to be... Uh, you know, a really good matchup every time they play the Bengals. Let's talk Bengals offense up against the Titans defense. And I think that, you know, the Bengals offense the past couple of weeks, we've seen some signs of life. The Titans defense, we touched on it a few minutes ago. I mean, Simmons in the middle is one of the best interior defensive linemen in the game. And if they can slow him down, I feel pretty decent about the chances against that defense. Yeah. Um, now we can't say that it's just Jeffrey Simmons, though. They do have a very good front five, I guess. They run a three-four, so they got the two uh, linebackers, uh, two are pretty much edge rushers. Um, so there's a few guys on the defensive interior uh, that I'd be kind of concerned about, other than Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, Tier Tart coming over from San Francisco. Now he's on the injury report right now with a knee injury, but. Uh, He's a pretty solid interior guy. You got Danico Autry, who's been on that system for a few years, who's been uh, fairly decent. Arden Key uh, and Harold Landry. I mean, that's a pretty good front five to be dealing with. Uh, so I think that I think that you know that you could see the offense kind of struggle against that. Um, you know, especially given Joe Burrow's lack of mobility in the pocket. I think you mentioned the injury report. That's probably where we should have started for the Titans. First off, we'll talk about the Bengals injury report. Joe Burrow, full participant in practice today, the calf injury. I think you're going to literally see him on the injury report for every game the rest of the season that says calf injury, and he'll have some sort of practice designation. 
Irv Smith did not practice with a hamstring injury, and Charlie Jones did not practice with a thumb injury. Those are the Bengals for the Titans. Luke Gifford, who is a backup inside linebacker, did not practice because of a hamstring. Elijah Molden, backup safety, did not practice because of a hamstring. Peter Skarinski, who's their starting left guard, did not practice with an abdomen injury. And as you touched on it, Tier Tart did not practice. He's their starting nose tackle for uh, the Titans. Titans did have a couple of limited practices and so on. But for the most part, those are the four big injuries to keep an eye on. And if Tart doesn't play, that helps a lot for the Bengals. And even if Skarinski doesn't play. Yeah. No, I think uh, just to go back on the defense there, if Tart's out, um, you know, that definitely bodes well for the Bengals, uh, you know, in, in dealing with that front five. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I pretty much if Tart is playing though, I, I'm just I'm not really expecting much out of the offense this week. Um, you know, I think that they're very stout against the run. They also have a very good linebacker duo with uh, this guy I've never heard of until this season. His name's Jack Gibbons, uh, but right now he's ranked number five amongst linebackers in PFF uh, and is a, an 80-plus grade against the run, I believe. Um, he's coming in at a uh, 79.3 grade against the run. And then you have another 49ers, um, another 49ers free agent signing in Aziz Alshayer, who's been also pretty decent. So um, I don't know. I, I'm not expecting too much out of the offense going into this week. So I think when you have an offense that could struggle, your defense has to step up again. And for the Titans' offense against the Bengals' defense, have you ever heard of this guy named Derrick Henry, Mick? Never heard of him. Uh, or DeAndre Hopkins? Uh, I love that no. the Titans on on that note have just they're just going with all of these wide receivers, elite wide receivers that are on the back end of their prime. They were had Julio Jones. I'm trying to think of who could be the next one that they grab in that realm. But here's the thing with the Titans offense: Devontae, is, they're going to trade for Devontae Adams, even though he's not. He doesn't look like he's past. No, I was going to say Devontae Adams, Mike <laughs> Evans, maybe Mike Evans is that, coming. That would be a good one. Year. That would be a good one. Um, Steve asked to Mick, and you can pull this up while while we're talking. He asked squares Wilson and Pratt listed. If you have that PFF rankings, um, I'll pull it up real quick. Uh, uh, and while, like... while you're while you're searching for that, I'll just I'll talk a little bit about Derrick Henry against the Bengals. Is sure. and I think for the most part in these past couple of years that Bengals have done a pretty good job against Derrick Henry. All things considered, is I they mean have. he is he is an elite running back. He's incredibly good. And really, you think about it, he has really busted one big run against them. Now, that big run he busted was a big one in the playoff game. And I, I don't remember the exact yardage on it, but it was huge. Uh, but I think you shut him down, you win the game. Because Ryan Tannehill, to say he doesn't scare me, is the biggest understatement in the world. See, I don't, I don't want to put too much Tannehill slander on here. I mean, obviously, we... Uh... I will gave him the worst, you know, we, we gave him his worst performance of his career probably, or at least his most damning uh, with that playoff victory a couple of years ago. But I don't want to throw too much Tannehill slander in here. I think Tannehill is a, is a fairly competent starting quarterback. Ryan Tannehill uh, is Andy Dalton. I mean, uh, I don't know. Tannehill did go to the AFC championship game one year. So, you know, and has gotten the team, his team a number one seed. So, 
I don't, I don't know if I'll go that far, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think stopping the run is probably, um, you know, would probably help in them winning the game, but I'm going to go in a different, um, in a different route as to what their key of the key to success on the defense is. And that's, uh, again, the pass rush, um, you're going to have a second week ago where, or a second week in a row where you were going up against, um, you know, as Steve Hall mentioned, a very suspect offensive line. Um, you know, they're, they're not very good up front, especially in a pass blocking capacity. Now their run blocking is, a is remarkably better, but you do have some, uh, very suspect pass blockers. Uh, I think Trey Henderson's probably going to have a pretty favorable matchup against Andre Dillard, who is who just got uh, off of a uh, of an absolute beating from Miles Garrett last week. Uh, you have Dylan Radens and Aaron Brewer in the in the interior, who aren't necessarily good at pass blocking, but they're they're decent run blockers. Um. Skarinski yeah. is is did not did not practice today with an abdomen injury. I don't think playing. Yeah. Um. And so yeah, you probably aren't aren't considering him either. And so yeah, I think that defensive line has to feast again. Yes. Yeah. I think that's probably their biggest key to victory is is for them to is for the pass rush to come home again. And I I don't see any reason why they won't. Um. You know, I would expect Lou to probably uh, send blitzers again. It seemed like he was more willing to do that last week, just because the, the Rams just weren't able to move the ball as you know when he was sending pressure, and uh, yeah, and then I think another another key matchup is the secondary against the uh, against the receiving core, which we talk about a unit that doesn't scare me. I know you said Tannehill, but I think this receiving core is uh, lackluster. Uh, yeah, I mean, if 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 DeAndre Hopkins was DeAndre Hopkins from four years ago it would be very different. But then your other one is Traylon Burks, who I know that Titans fans have a lot of hope for, but I feel like he's just been one of those guys that, and, and if my memory's right, I feel like he made a big catch against the Bengals last year. Yeah, Traylon Burks had a pretty decent year last year. He has graded terribly so far this year. Uh, he has a knee injury, uh, as as you brushed on uh, earlier in the podcast. Uh so I wonder if that's hampering him a little bit. And then really they're, they're second. So Traylon Burks has pretty much been a, a non-factor this year so far. It, it, that kind of leaves just DeAndre Hopkins out on his own island with, you know, some Chega Quanco, Aquanquo and, uh, and Nick Westbrook Akine's plays, uh, you know, splashed in there uh, at some point. So they don't have a very robust receiving core by any means. Uh, the secondary hasn't been great for the Bengals this year, but it might be one of those get right games, I would think. Um, but yeah, I think the defense should be able to hold their own just fine against Tennessee this weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's probably going to be an AFC North game, lower scoring and so on. Evan McPherson will probably be another big weapon in the game because I don't think Fat Randy is still there anymore, is he, Mick? I think they have. No, a new who do they have? Um, somebody. I was gonna say I meant to look this up, but as but I think Fat Randy is officially gone, which makes me a little bit sad because we were both big Fat Randy fans. Yeah, I know. I I um, you know, I totally think that he that he hurt his uh, hamstring or his gro- or his groin on that one. His calf against the Chargers. It was his, his calf. calf. Oh, that was the first calf gate we had. 
that 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 is probably the quickest recovery I've ever seen from a calf injury. Then uh, both of them. Remember, <laughs> he strained both of them on one play, and Joe Burrow's reaction was kind of like, "Oh, this is the NFL." Nick Folk is their kicker. Oh, well, that's a and he's it's he's pretty decent. No, that's um, solid. Uh, you know, he's like a modern day Shane Graham, right? Where he's like pretty automatic from like. 45 with yeah inside 45 and then it gets really suspect outside as long as you're not playing the jets in the playoffs <laughs> yeah <laughs> as long as you're not playing the jets in the playoffs slim it, too soon uh well are you talking about the 09 playoff game yes yes uh yeah that was uh, that was rough not, not great uh do you have any other thoughts on on the titans before we jump into our picks um no i mean Pretty much just to summarize, this is going to be a defensive slugfest. There's not going to be a lot of points scored. It's going to be a lot like the previous two matchups, but maybe uh, maybe ramped up a little bit on the defense. Uh, you know, obviously, Joe Burrow is not himself right now, uh, given his injury. It's going to be a very tough and gritty game that, uh, you know. That in fact, I, I wanted to look here, and this is, this is an interesting one here. So in we're both in Kentucky, and tomorrow we're actually allowed to start betting on our phones. So Mick, I'll I'll, I'll ask you the over under for the game. Do you know what it is? No. I do you do want to guess it? Do you want to guess it? I want to see if you can 20, you can pull it out. No, I'll, I'll go 30, 33 and a half. Oh wow! So you're I already know what you're going to be guessing. You're going to be betting on this. The over under is forty and a half. Oh, hammer, hammer so the saying, under. Hammer the under, which means over wins easily. Financial right? advice. Financial advice. Are, is an accountant allowed to give that? No. But you did Oh, did you find those PFF it. linebacker grades? Yeah, yeah, so the PFF linebacker grades before we get into our picks. Uh Logan and uh Jermaine are in the middle of the pack right now. Jermaine is ranked 40th out of 77 linebackers. Logan Wilson's ranked 54th out of 77 linebackers. So Logan Wilson's probably been in the bottom third of the uh, linebackers that have qualified, and then you got Jermaine in the middle of the road. Jermaine's been pretty decent against the run, but his uh, but his coverage hasn't been what it usually is. Uh, last year, he was an elite coverage linebacker uh, for the for the entire season, and then Logan, it's the opposite. His coverage grade has been fairly decent this year. At a seventy-two point four, uh, but his running, his run defense has been uh, pretty horrendous, and I think you kind of notice that on the tape when you look at it. He's missed, he missed a lot of tackles in their in those first two weeks. Um, so to Tommy writes in and says he's taking the over at forty and a half. Megan says she can talk football all day, but when we talk sports gambling, I feel so dumb. So Megan, that one is really simple for over under. Is forty and a half means total points scored in the game. So it's pretty much if you think there will be 41 points or more, you take the over. And if you take the under, it means that there you think that there will be 40 total points scored or less. That one's pretty easy to understand. Now, I will admit that I am a novice when it comes into a lot of the things in, in sports gambling, but that one's pretty easy to understand once you get it. Yeah. And there we go. Um, the so so to Tommy says that he's taking the over. Mick, you're taking the under. I'd in be that. hammering that under. Uh, a million times out of a million. I, I don't see any way we're going to see 40 points scored in this game. I think, honestly, I think they nailed it. Like, I think that one's right on the money about. I don't think it's even close. 
Uh, okay. So if you're saying it's not so close, Mr. McNelson, what is the final score of Bengals-Titans on Sunday afternoon? Bengals yes, 13, is- Titans 10. 13 to 10. My very goodness. Cl- it's going to be a very close game. And I just don't see a lot of points being scored given the state of the Bengals offense right now and the state of and the Titans defense is pretty decent. It's 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 probably a top 10 unit uh, when healthy. So, uh, yeah, 13 to 10 Bengals win. I will end up going with the under on that as well. I'm going to say Bengals 20 Titans 16. I think we're going to get a bunch of field goals in this game. And I think that uh, the Bengals end up pulling away. And you know what? Just because I want to have some fun, that'll be a late touchdown drive. That will we'll do it. Joe Burrow, the offense clicks. Like, I think the first time that we're like, okay, the Bengals are officially back. It's going to be a touchdown drive late in that game where Burrow starts cooking. T. Higgins pulls in a touchdown in the two-minute warning window, something like that. Um, and then Fat Randy runs on the field, kicks Nick Folk in the groin, and ends up missing a game-winning field goal for that. Uh, that Tommy be... writes in and says 24-17 Bengals. So you're possible. going over, but you're going barely over. No. the. It, it, I said 20-16. to 16. Oh, you're no, taking Tommy. No, Tommy. Okay. Tommy is. Uh, Frank is thinking uh, along the same lines as me here. I totally agree, Frank. I'm going to go 13-10. to 10. I don't know if we see us. I don't know if we see the Bengals score four. Two touchdowns in the game, uh, given just how good the, uh, the the Titans defense is. But maybe Frank's thinking maybe a safety in there, or you know, some some fun. Maybe maybe he's, maybe he's thinking a little wild. You never know, right? Two safeties, a touchdown, two safeties, and a field goal. That's what Frank's yeah, or going a, with. a touchdown, two point conversion, two two uh, field goals. You know, you maybe get get a little wild with it all. Touchdown, two point conversion, and two field goals. Get okay. you to fourteen. I was, that gonna, way. I was trying to do the math there real quick, but yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, that right. Maybe you n- you never really know. Tommy does say, "Yep, barely over." I do think forty and a half is a good number as far as the over under on that. Vegas Whatever, has been pretty on top with the uh, with the uh, over unders. Um, I feel like in the spreads uh, pretty early on in the season, usually don't see them being uh, that successful with it. Here, I'm looking here to see whatever Evan McPherson's. Whatever Evan McPherson's kicking is here, field goals made. Let's see what it is for Evan McPherson. Because what? Oh, and of course I back out of it. Because pretty much whatever it is, I think you hammer the over in that. I'm gonna go one and a half. I'm assuming that that's what it is, and I think you easily hit the over on it because I think he is absolutely. And of course I can't find it right now. I okay. had it and then I lost it. Well, while you're looking for that, I'm gonna give one shout out real quick to uh, for a birthday. Um, it is our logo creator. Her name is Erin Jones. She turns 27 today. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, created that beautiful logo we have in the top right and very, very skilled graphic designer and an even better friend. So happy birthday, Erin. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you, Erin. And it is, it is one and a half for that. One and a half. What's okay. Yeah. Hammer. Hammer, hammer the over, hammer the over. In fact, I might even tomorrow when we're actually legally allowed to bet that I am probably going to go over on that um, because that seems like it is given. And I might even go uh, a parlay with Nick Fulton over as well because I think his is one and a half as well. I think that one feels pretty good to go over 
for it. Now, I guess if I'm picking 20 to 16, then I'm picking a couple of that. But yeah, happy birthday to Aaron, and thank you for the uh, logo. You did a really we good job it. on it. It, it, it. it looks really good. Steve's going 24-13 Bengals. I'm assuming that's who he's picking. I, I don't think Steve would pick against the Bengals, knowing what I the little I've gotten to know about him over these past couple of weeks. And Tommy's with me and taking the over for Money Mac for it. Yeah. Remember to uh, follow us on our social media channels. We are on Facebook. We are on YouTube. We are uh, that we have the Jungle Juice Facebook and YouTube channel. We also have uh, our good friend Josh Isles over at WDN Today on Facebook. Make sure you follow him there. Uh, he does great work. Uh, you can always listen back to the podcast on our Spotify channel. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on iHeart. We're on that one French podcasting platform, Mick, which sadly we haven't gotten any French listeners over the past couple of weeks. So I guess oh, us man. giving them the shout out has taken them away. Start, we got to start buying some ad space in the uh, in the French in the French media uh, channels or whatever. You gotta, we got to start increasing our uh, our presence over there. I think. Yeah, it's clearly what we're doing right now is failing epically. So make sure you you follow us on all of those channels wherever you get your podcast from. We should have it, and if there's a spot you get your podcast from that we aren't on, make sure to let us know because we will absolutely uh, follow that out. Tommy, I, I don't know why I'm putting this comment up on the screen. Is that what they do? Who's got a... Oh, wait. I, I don't know if I can say that on the... Uh, <laughs> uh, Tommy's is, probably knew what I was about to say there, but uh, I, I, this, Tommy, I'm actually going to the game on Saturday, so... Oh, and listen about that. I'm going to watch the tops tomorrow night. Western oh, Kentucky. There yeah, they, it's, is it homecoming it's, weekend or no? No, it's the hundred miles of hate tomorrow night. They play middle Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee State. I go. mean, and listen, we're playing you, Old Dominion. <laughs> oh wow, everybody's excited for that. But listen, you can't tell me that if you're talking college rivalry names, hundred miles of hate, great college rivalry name. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty good. Honestly, and honestly, if I'm WKU, the hate's got to be pretty hard too, given the whole Mac, uh, the whole oh, yes. Mac, uh, oh, yes. Mac situation there. Uh, yeah, come on, Middle Tennessee. What, what was Middle Tennessee thinking there? I, uh, I don't know. We're 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 getting off topic. There's no question about that. Um, this has been a lot of fun though today. Uh, make sure to follow us on all of our channels again. My pick: twenty to sixteen Bengals. Mick, your pick is thirteen ten Bengals. We're hopefully going to be back here next Wednesday at 8 o'clock Eastern time to hopefully cheer on a Bengals-Titans win, and then we get to preview Bengals-Cardinals, what everybody's really excited about. Mick, any parting thoughts? Uh, no. Uh, thanks for watching, guys, and uh, and Hooday. Absolutely. That'll wrap us up for another edition of the show, and until next time, as Mick said, Hooday.